how aligned is your career with your purpose and passion? What would you do if you had abundant courage inside you? How happy would you be when you live a life filled with passion? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on your part of the world. Welcome to Break the Box with Dr. Ted, where critical thinking breaks conventional norms. The answers to these questions reside in boxes that restrict our perceptions, thought processes, and decisions. This podcast breaks the box of a typical career and illustrates the power of courage and wisdom to empower a pivot point in your life. Today, we explore the era of reinventing yourself and the courage of Barbara Majeski. Barbara entered the divorce in 2015, as well as diagnosis of cancer. After beating cancer, she sold her wedding ring and began a new career with incredible purpose, meaning, and content. Since then, she's been on Today Show, Inside Edition, Good Day New York, as well as many others. She's known as the curator of the good life. As a successful lifestyle expert and television leader, a loving mother of three, a caring sister, and a proud leader of our nation, Barbara is here to share where and how she got to find the courage to reinvent herself. And especially in this pandemic, where many people was forced to look deeper within themselves. Finding who you are has been a huge challenge for many Americans today. So Barbara, it's an honor and pleasure to have your inspiring presence with us today. Thank you for having me. I, I love this conversation. So with all that you've achieved, what is the passion behind your success? You know, um, I do believe I'm driven by a greater purpose that I kind of came to understand with the utmost clarity when I was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and that alignment with purpose has gotten me through adversity, setback, and discouragement. And I'll tell you what that is. Um, and I'll try to make this story succinct and, and uh, I think it'll resonate with your audience. So um, I'm a twin and I have younger twin brothers and uh, my mother's a triplet. So multiples run in our family. And uh, also so does the condition Fragile X, which is a genetically inherited form of neurological impairment. So my younger brothers, there's two sets of twins. My twin brother is neurotypical. And the second set, there's Michael and Steven. Michael's neurotypical and Steven has Fragile X which is very similar to Down syndrome. So just growing up with a brother with special needs, you know, I don't know why, but I just always assumed I was gonna be his caretaker. I do not know, it just is who I am and what I um, always said I would do. There was a, an incident when I was 13 where we all got separated through some adversity. And in that adversity, I made a vow to him that I would always take care of him. So, you know, every time I wanted to kind of quit things, I always thought, well, I have to take care of my brother. So let me fast forward. You got the basis of the story. Let me fast forward to 2015. Um, my marriage implodes. And uh, a few weeks later, I get diagnosed with stage three cancer. 
I have three young kids. Um, my son is in sixth grade, uh, other son is in fourth, and then I have a four-year-old daughter. So I have literally three young kids. I'm 42 years old with a late stage cancer diagnosis surgery, chemo, and I consider myself a pretty hardy woman. I know I'm like five foot three. I'm not a big woman, but I am a hard, I consider myself like, I don't know, my constitution is hardy. Anyway, I'm in the middle of chemo and I'm not doing well. I'm actually doing terrible in chemo. And I have this moment where I realize I'm like, oh, oh my God, this isn't, the cancer is not going to take me. I think the chemo is going to take me. I, I was like, it's not the cancer that was like really bothered me. Actually, the cancer didn't bother me at all. It was the, the, the cancer, the treatments were just terrible. So it was in this moment, I was like, wow, my, this is where my story ends. And if this is where my story ends, how are my children going to remember me? And I thought about all the things I was really proud of. I was really proud that I put myself through college. And I was really proud that I launched this insane sales company in my early 20s that was based on commission, but I was, it had a lot of upward mobility and a lot of earning potential. So I was really proud of you know, building the sales company. And I ultimately took over as, as his legal guardian uh, before I retired at like 30 years old. So I was like really proud of that. And I had launched a philanthropy um, in, as a stay-at-home mom. And as I'm reflecting on these things that I'm so proud of, I said to myself, well, wow, isn't it interesting? You know, anytime I wanted to quit, I would never quit because I was like, if I quit, my brother could be institutionalized because I won't be able to afford to take care of him. So I better figure this out, whether it was putting myself through college or launching this business or what have you. So in that moment, I was like, well, thank God I was taking care of Steven because he gave me no back door and no quit. I had to figure it out. I had no other choice that it was in that moment that I realized it wasn't me taking care of Steven as much as it was always Steven taking care of me. Like Steven gave me the ultimate gift, the gift of purpose. Like he gave me no quit. Without Steven, I don't know that I would have had that kind of will and that, that no back door, that no quit, that real perseverance. And in that, in that moment of true clarity, I was like, wow, I have been gifted the greatest gift one could be gifted. And that was the gift of purpose. And then on top of that, having the clarity of that, if, you know, that, um, that value in life gave me a stronger will to live. And I kind of made, I, I didn't kind of, I made a vow to the universe. Give me another shot. Give me another shot. I got it. I got, I got it. I got it. I got it. Let me live out my purpose. Let me share my purpose, help others see their purpose. And if you just get me out of this cancer, this cancer little, little disaster, disaster thing, I will move forward and I'll continue to use my voice to advocate for not only Steven, but the Stevens of the world. And that's, um, so your question's very loaded of like, you know, how to, you know, my reinvention and my constant superpower of resilience is in alignment with great purpose. Wow, that's a great perspective because I see a lot of people when they face challenges, they start blaming the challenges and they become victims. Instead, mm -hmm. you've taken on a complete different perception and seeing the challenge as something that empowers you. 
Mm -hmm. Can I just say this? I believe that it's not the problem. It's the attitude about the problem. It's not the circumstance. It's your attitude about the circumstance. And, you know, it, an attitude is a, is a choice, you know, how you handle setbacks and adversities. And listen, we're going to get knocked down. This is life. Welcome to the human race and the human experience. You are just part, we are all aligned in one commonality and that there is suffering, right? Isn't that what the Buddha says? There, we are all aligned in to live is to suffer, but it is how we navigate it. And I'm not minimizing some of the, some of the tragedies that we go through. Trust me, there is no minimizing. Um, but we, we, we take these setbacks, we, you know, and some, there are some tragedies out there that I definitely look at and I'm like, whoa, I don't, I don't actually know that that's one I would be able to tackle. Um, so I do have, you know, compassion and empathy, but I also like life is good. Choose, choose to get through, to, you know, move the feet forward and, a good quote I'll share and then I'll let you continue. I talk a lot. Um, I love this quote. It's only in the darkness that you can see the stars. And truly it was in my darkest moment that I was able to have this clarity of the gift of purpose. Um, but it was, it was in my, like, I don't think I'm going to make it kind of moment. So uh, yeah, I agree with you. Some, we, 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 we have to control our attitude over adverse in in adversity exactly wow amazing totally amazing so when you look at all the things that you've accomplished in such a short time how and where did you find the courage to make such a bold move into the entertainment industry most people see that as a huge mountain to climb where did you find that courage yeah you know um i definitely again we're going to go back to the it's only in the darkness that you can see the stars and when i was really confronted with my own mortality i looked at all the things that i accomplished that i was proud of but i also took stock of the things that i didn't have the courage to pursue and i was really bummed about it because i was raised with um a, my parents had a, had a great mental game, you know, um, a great mental, ad, like their attitudes were very strong of like, if you want to achieve it, go for it. They weren't in the business of discouraging, like their thoughts and my, my thoughts too, is it's not our job as parents as to discourage our children from doing X, Y, and Z. The world is going to tell our children what they can and cannot do and what they're going to qualify for and what they have the aptitude for as parents. If you, my daughter sometimes says she wants to be a roller, roller skating teacher or something, I don't know. And I'm like, go for it. You, whatever you want to set your mind to, it is not my job to say, to give her all the negatives of, Hey, maybe that's not a real lucrative lifestyle. And I don't know how you're, that's not my job. That's not my job. And so my parents kind of imparted that to me. So I had a strong mental I was taught to like, you know, if you want to achieve it, do the work to get to it. Um, but somewhere along the line, I lost my confidence and I really let external, no, internal voices of self-doubt and I'm not pretty enough and I'm not tall enough and I'm not, you know, anything enough of, I, I, I should never be on television. Like I thought, you know, all the pretty people could be on television. I had a very, I had a very poor sense of self. So then when I went, you know, through treatment, I was like, you know what, if I get another shot, I am no longer going to give value to the voices of fear and self-doubt. 
I decided that if I got another shot at life that I would like, listen, we're going to have negative self-talk and we're going to, if fear is going to come into our lives and you know, the, the potential of being humiliated, that's a process that our brain has to, an exercise our brain has to go through. But I really did find a new level of like, I'm going to swipe left to those because I would rather fail trying than fail to try. And it was in those dark moments. And it was also in, in that time. And I was processing the death of a marriage too. So I really had a lot to process in my, my darkest days. Um, but I had put so much weight on the the, the, on other, like what other people thought and other people's mm -hmm. opinions. I just put so much value on, well, what are they going to think if I like put myself on TV in my forties, that was pre-cancer after cancer. And, and after going through a divorce in a, in a, in a community that there's very, our divorce rate is very low and I'm definitely an outlier. And, um, it was a very, it was humiliating to be honest with you. Um, I really came to the understanding. I'm like, people are going to judge you anyway you could do nothing and they're going to judge you for doing nothing you might as well people are going to judge you just give them something to judge you about and i'd rather make a big flop on tv and give my grandkids something to laugh about than you know just be sitting there not trying so i i gained as they say in yiddish a lot of chutzpah when i was going through my treatments because I didn't think I was going to get a shot. And with this new second act, I was like, oh, I'm going big. And I don't mess with, when I say I'm going big, I'm a woman of my word. I'm going right to the Today Show. <laughs> awesome. I don't know if people tell you this, like as I'm sitting here listening to you, I can feel this energy vibrating. Like it, it's, it's very different to see you <laughs> on the television versus having a real conversation with you. And this is something that I'll definitely cherish. It's like, it's, I, I talk to people all over the world and I don't typically get that sense, get that energy vibing. Like you're just like, mm. you're just like a sunshine out there. Right. And, and I can oh, just feel the warmth nice. of that conversation, you know, and it radiate off my tele, my computer screen in front of me. It's amazing. Thank you. That's so kind of you. And I really, I really appreciate that. And I, I, um, I, I take that to heart. Um, you know, what I do love about Clubhouse, how we, you and I connected is that I'm actually able to be more three-dimensional, like on television, because I'm doing, you know, I'm a 42 year old woman that wanted to be on TV. I'm not exactly going to get an anchor position and get to be next to Hoda, but I could get little segments until I prove myself, but my segments are very, um, curated so I have to like talk about you know stuffed monkey dolls and stuff like that so I don't really get to express myself you know I like I feel like yeah. there's so much more dimension to me um so opportunities to do podcasts and clubhouse is given literally peeled back the curtain and you know I'm able to really just be my true authentic self um which is is a nice place to be because i think prior to my marriage imploding and everything i went through i was a guard, more guarded and i had i checked a lot of boxes for what was right and what was wrong and after being humiliated in this divorce and um you know cancer and just having to be grossly sick for a long time i just i just become a more you know, just living trans, just being authentic is so much more liberating. So it's nice to do these conversations. And I'm glad you feel that about me because I talk a lot, but they only give me yeah. like four minutes on the Today Show. And I'm like, ah, oh, there's so much more. In me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So as you're going through this incredible journey of transforming yourself, 
How did your children see you as you embarked on this brand new career with all the challenges that came with it? You know, I, I think that the, um, the jury is still out on that one. I do think that they're going to be able to draw upon it as they grow and mature because they're still part of the story. Um, but what I'm really hoping that they ultimately take with them is that life is going to knock you down. You are going to find yourself in the fetal position on the bathroom floor in a puddle of tears and feel like you're not going to be able to move and you are going to be able to move. Like tough times don't last, but tough people do. And I know that when I hope through this, you know, through them watching me through the difficult, um, you know, the, the difficulties of cancer and the divorce and um, seeing me sometimes be vulnerable, they, you know, I try to guard it, but you know, there's just times um, I think seeing that I still land in my, on my feet, I have great friends. I, I'm a, I'm a happy person. I put myself on TV. I think they're really proud of me. I, I do. I think how they apply it to their life. Um, that story is going to unfold as, you know, as it will. I do have a good share on in that space though. Um, when my, um, he's 17 now, but when he, when I was diagnosed, he was 12. Um, I think 12 and 10 were the boys. And he had a, like the boys handled it differently. They're very young. We had tell them, obviously I was very sick. Anyway, his name is Gabe. And um, we were walking to dinner because dinner was walking was my therapy through chemo. Mm -hmm. And he had this, he just didn't want to go to school anymore. I mean, this is a sixth grade athlete. Isn't going through an awkward, he's tall, handsome, blonde hair, blue eyed, <laughs> I, the girls love him. The guys want to hang out with him. He's living like the dream middle school experience where the rest of us had unibrow. He's like killing it, right? And he all of a sudden doesn't want to go to school. So we're walking back from dinner and I finally just stop him. And I'm like, Gabe, I, I don't get it. Like, why, why don't you want to go to school anymore? And we're, we're knee deep in the, you know, calendar, the academic year. And he goes, mom, I just want to stay home and, and watch you. And it broke my heart because it was, the, it was like, he just became so raw of like, because boys do naturally have a sense of like guarding their emotions and I just didn't know how they were processing the information. And it was in that moment. And we sat down at the Y, like as we were walking past the YMCA on the stairs and we sat down as he started getting really emotional. And I said, Gabe, and it was like the speech of my life because I realized, you know, wow, this kid was present. And I said, I'm like, there's nobody like your mother. And I listed all the moms in Princeton that I knew had gone through cancer and now had survived. I said, you know, that mom that went, that, that mom, she went through cancer and she, she kicked cancer's ass and listed all of them. I go, but they've got nothing on me. I'm like, your mother ran the New York city marathon, 26.2 miles for just, just because. So I started listing off like all the badass things that I felt would resonate with him, you know, and because he's, he's athletic, I was like, just listing off, like, I just run 26 miles for shits and giggles, which is true. I didn't tell him that I ran it in like, you know, 87 hours or whatever I did, but regardless, and I will fast forward that story. 
Um, and you know, he kind of got up. He's like, yeah, mom, you're pretty badass." I'm like, if anyone's going to kick cancer's ass, it's going to be me. So you don't have to worry. I got, I got this, I got this. And then I was like, well, I better really get this, you know, <laughs> fast forward. Um, we're, we're switching him into a private school. So we have to meet with like a counselor and the counselor knows our backstory and that I just finished a year of treatments and recovery and all that. And the counselor asked her like, how did you handle the, you know, the, cause the entire academic year I was in treatment, you know, how did you handle yeah. your mother in, you know, having cancer? And he goes, he goes, what do you mean? He goes, my mom's the strongest mom in Princeton. <laughs> and wow. like, you literally like messaged the words that I had spoken to him on those stairs that night, you know, of like, and he like looked at the counselor as if like, don't you know that my mother's like the strongest mom in Princeton? And I was like laughing. Cause I'm like, Oh, um, like I almost went, I just kind of was like, yeah, I, I'll tell you later kind of thing. But you realize like, um, so when you ask me how my kids are like their internalization, like they're just internalizing, you know, as we're like, we're in real time. So I think how it's going to manifest as adults, I would, I'd really like to, to hope that when they're dealt their, their bad hand in life and they will be, um, that they have some muscle and grit to take a knee, re regroup, reset, and then keep moving the feet forward. Wow. I have no doubt they will. I mean, watching even a small glimpse of their mother, it is amazing what you've been able to do with them as well as your career. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, I've, and I got, I've got three really cool kids, so I'm lucky. I am lucky. Yeah, that's awesome. So as we talk about children and so forth, you know, when we look at most universities, everybody tries to push their kids into a specific degree with a concentration of some type at that young age. And at that young age, most mm -hmm. people don't even really know who they are or their passions, right? What would you share with all the parents and all the young generation about finding their passion and finding that purpose so they become mm -hmm. very clear and focused in where they want to go? You know, um, passion and pur purpose is just a life journey. And it's a, that's a really hard question when it's framed in that context, because sometimes people are like, I don't know what my purpose is. And I, I do say this sometimes. I, I tell people, I'm like, sometimes your purpose is actually wrapped up in some of the most difficult things that you do. And, you know, the only emancipation from suffering is to help others. Like my children have been through divorce as ch children and cancer. And sometimes, you know, when we're, we talk about it, I'm like, maybe someday you'll be able to help others going through these difficult times, like going back and forth from house to house. And, um, you know, I know it's tough on them at, at times. And um, I, I have a son, you know, with a, a medical condition, epilepsy. And, you know, it's just a matter of, um, you know, finding our purpose is a life's journey. And we don't have it. At, we don't always know. I didn't figure it out until I was in my 40s of like, wow, I literally have been living a life of purpose without even kind of knowing it. Um, but I will share, I will share this, um, you know, I think so many parents just feel like they know what's in their children's best interest and they want to talk them out of this and focus on that. And this is where you're, if you get into this school, your future, and we do, we want our kids set up for success. And some schools really do have, um, really great alumni programs and legacies that are like like invaluable and you might pay a tuition, but like they, their, the value is like 
priceless. You really can't put a price tag on it. Um, But the truth is, as parents, it's really, I I think it's to embolden our children to know that if they are willing to roll up their sleeves, be good students in the in life, like not just in an academic sense, but be good students of life and learn what they need need to learn, they're gonna ultimately succeed. Like you want them to feel good and not put them in a position they don't want to be. Like, don't make me be a doctor. I don't want to be a doctor. Like, and then I I, I held a podcast or not, sorry, not a podcast. I held a clubhouse the other night. It was called give a bear a fishing pole. And what the concept was, was if you give a bear a fishing pole, you're going to think the bear is going to think it's stupid. You know, like it's not going to know how to fish. It's going to be like, I can't fish. I'm going to starve to death. But the truth is we all have unique genius and gifts. And um, it's a matter, I think as parents, just doing our best to, you know, you know, give them the power and the belief in themselves that they can, um, be and do whatever they want to do. And I'm sorry about my background noise. I do have 77 kids at all times in my house. <laughs> um, but you know, that's just, you know, my, my best piece of advice, because I think innately we're all, if we feel good about ourselves, we're going to take more risks. Um, we're going to find out the answers. If we have the confidence in ourselves of like, all right, well, how do I figure this out? Like the greatest part about my journey was when things weren't working and trust me, I should have quit my business, this crazy sales company that I started in my twenties. I should have quit. Like everybody told me it was a dumb idea and I was a nut job for doing it. I should have quit. But because I was really just like, all right, I, I have to, I got to figure this out. If that person, and I'd look at, look to other people, if that person figured it out. Um, so can I, um, I don't know, just with that, like that, oh God, it's just understanding of, you know, giving our kids the gift of empowering them to choose their own path, I think is like my best advice. You know, I want them to be doctors and lawyers and I don't know my, you know, (laughs) I know doctors and lawyers that aren't happy. And by the way, I'm not a doctor or a lawyer and my twin brother uh, is a lawyer and I can, you know, I can buy and sell, but that's neat. Anyway, those are my two cents. Make your kids, let your kids be happy without their dreams. And if they want to be a roller skater, let them be a roller skater. I bet you there's money. There's money in everything. So that's all I have to say. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That that reminds me of my parents. You know, when I, when I came to America, my dad was like, you're going to be a lawyer or a doctor and that's it. Those are the only two Mm -hmm. choices you have. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but I don't like either one of them. I don't want to be that. I was yeah. more interested in playing. I was more interested in getting into sports. So, no, and imagine what that kind of like does to your like, like your heart, you know, like hurts your heart because you really want to please your parents. Right. You want to, we're natural pleasers and we want to make people happy. And you're all of a sudden pigeonholed. It just, it's like, um, it's a cascade of just negative vibes with that, you know, you internalize. And I, I just, Look, look, do I want my daughter to be a roller skater professional? <laughs> I don't know. What I want her to do is be happy. I, you know, I, I do. I want her to be happy and I want her to find her lane and feel good about it. And um, it's just not my job. I have, you know, I'll share this because um, I think this is a very applicable story. So um, my middle son has epilepsy and he, he was diagnosed this year and it is heartbreaking. He's 15 years old. And honestly, I just think it's like the worst. And he wants to go out for the lacrosse team. 
And his neurologist is like, well, any sport that's like a physical sport is not really, you know, high on our like recommendation list. And I'm looking at my son, Max, who's never really played lacrosse. He's played a little bit, but, and he's a freshman and he's small. And he's like, mom, I want to play lacrosse. And I'm like, okay, you want to play lacrosse? Um, let's go get you some lacrosse, lacrosse equipment. And I share that because it's not my job. It is not my job to be like, you're too small. You have a seizure disorder and you can have a seizure on the field. You, this and all these negative what if scenarios. That's not my job. My job is not to discourage him or to make him insecure or to label him with a disability. That's not my job. The universe is gonna probably eventually say, hey, maybe you're not fast enough, you're not tall enough. I don't know what the universe, so I don't know. I don't know what the universe and the world is gonna dictate, but I do know my role. And my role is to say, okay, you wanna play lacrosse, I'm gonna get you lacrosse. I know from the neurologist what I needed to do. I have a nurse at every practice. I have a nurse at every game. I have all the, you know, the team members now. Like I've all, I, my job is to be the mother bear behind the scenes of like, okay, if this is what he wants to do and he has epilepsy, then I have these safeguards in place and, and him not going to destroy his decisions. Uh, it's not my job. And too many parents, I think, Kind of like uh, you know, turn into some sort of like I don't know, mini lane, and I don't I don't play by that rules. I'm like, you want to play lacrosse? I got you back. Now when I drop them off of lacrosse, my my heart hurts. My heart. I'm like, oh, like can I just tell all the kids not to touch him? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> can I just reroute? I want to reroute the game. Can you make it a little softer? Can I wrap him in bubble wrap? You know, um, so that's. But that's me staying in my lane as a mother. And I believe as parents, we are meant to be our biggest cheerleaders for our children, allow them to find their space in this world. And the world will do a lovely job of knocking them down and putting them in different boxes and places. I'll let the world do that, but it ain't coming from this girl. So he's playing lacrosse and I'm really proud of him. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. You know, one of my passions is always working with children and I would love to have a requirement in the country where if you're going to have kids, learn how to be a parent, just like you, you need a driver's mm -hmm. license. You have to have driving tests and passing tests and so forth. A lot, so many parents push their children above and beyond based on what their needs are, as opposed to what makes the child happy. I would love to have that kind yeah. of a core aspect into education so that anybody's going to become a parent. Hey, here's parenting 101. Focus on your kids, find their spirit, find their passion and empower them and stop trying to make them live your life. Yeah. That you didn't have. Back them up, buy the lacrosse stick, buy the roller skates or finance them and just, or, you know, just support them. My kids have my full undivided, like, you know, I, I want to support him. It Does it hurt my heart a little bit? You know, yeah, because I'm scared, but um, I agree with you. And you know what? I could go to parenting. I'm, you know, I'm not perfect. Like, I, sometimes I get asked, I'm like, you know, people talk about this is what I'm doing well with parenting. And I'm like, I've got news for all of us parents. We're all screwing up. So put a little, put a little money away and make sure they've got <laughs> therapy on the side, down the line, you know, for whatever this, that, and the other thing. Um, I think the key is that you know, they know that they're loved. You love them the best that you can. 
you give them some good food and you know, what happened? You know, like we all put, we all have it works out. Uh, but I yeah. do love my kids and I like really do think I made some three really good, really good ones. I really enjoy, I really enjoy their company. I, I really do. I don't know. I, I like really gifted that awesome. way. Well, let's switch over to adult world. In our adult environment, we have mm -hmm. so many people that's not happy with their careers. We have songs about, you know, not liking their boss and relationships and so forth in an adult world. What would you say to someone that's scared to get out of their current career to take on that new path as you have? You know, I think we do make a lot of fear-based decisions um, that ultimately, uh, like, literally handcuff us to situations. You know, we tell ourselves, well, we need the money and we need the benefits and we need, you know, all these, like, things to keep us safe and secure, but they don't make us happy. Um, I think it takes a lot of courage. Um, I think people are, you know, the great part, some of the byproducts of this pandemic, is actually forcing people to pivot and make a, learn new things and try new things. Um, it takes a really strong mental game to, to pivot. And I do applaud people that take that, you know, take that leap if they're not happy in their jobs. So it, it takes a ton of courage because we all have overhead. We all have bills. We all have comfort zones. Um, but, you know, and life is saying life is short is such a cliche. Um, but I think for every person, just making calculated measures to find what makes you happy uh, and live in that space you know, it, it's different for everyone, but you do have to take ownership of your own happiness. You, you are in, you know, you make decisions in your own life that lead to whether you're happy or unhappy. It's not conditions as much as it is decisions and we control those decisions. The, the, these decisions give us outcomes, you know, whether we um, you know, if we have problems, like unpacking the problems, like if it's, if it's alcoholism or like, how can we improve is a decision, but you know, the condition is uh, alcoholism is, is a disease and or drug addiction is a disease, but it's unpacking it of like, okay, how can I take the next steps to, to improve and having that strong mental game is really just it's a decision and it's, it's tough, but when you take ownership, you're not a victim, but you're the victor and you start really getting into that, like, like real strong mental mind game and you feed your mind, like the good stuff, you know, like you listen to good podcasts on, you know, attitude, aptitude and, you know, success and all that. It really does kind of reprogram your mind of like, what are the things in my control and what are out of control? Like when I got diagnosed with cancer, I knew what was in my control, how I handled it. That was it. I couldn't handle I. That's it. I'm going to handle my attitude towards it. Walked every day, had juices, what have you. Leaving my marriage, I was asked on a call today and I think it really allowed me some good reflection that I'll share. So the question to me was, how do you show self-love? And it was, after everything, I was like, this marriage, he doesn't love me. And he didn't, he loved me, but he wasn't in, in love with me. And I was a, a, a like, I was a, I was a mother to children and I wasn't in a husband and wife dynamic. And I, the greatest act of self-love for me was saying, I deserve in, to be in a relationship 
where my love that I express is reciprocated and that I'm perceived as a spouse and not a mother to just children. Um, Cause I can be a mother to children and not be, you know, um, like I was co-parenting and it just wasn't reciprocated. So it took a lot of courage to leave my marriage. Um, it has not been easy. Divorce was very hard. Um, but I believe I've given myself this open road to be in a fulfilling relationship and, you know, not settle, you know, not put my, I don't want to settle. And, you know, listen, there, it's, there's no right answer in that. Um, like divorce is not always the right answer, but for me, it was an act of like, Barbara, you deserve, you deserve better. And, you know, it's not about money or anything. It was like, just, I made that, just, I, was like, I think I deserve somebody to love me. And um, I want, I want that in this lifetime. I have not found it yet, <laughs> but I uh, am really grateful that I took that leap. And I'm very, I'm a delusional optimist. I think he's out there. I just, I just haven't found him. <laughs> awesome. You know, I think the key word here is I deserve better. Mm-hmm. Right. I deserve and, better. And people don't often reflect on that enough. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's that dialogue between our ears. And, and, you know, we all have just so much negative self-talk. And listen, fear, I remember reading a book and it said, you know, practice non-judgment. And I really would be like, oh my God, I'm like failing at this book. Um, but then I read recently, I'm like, we have to judge. Judges, like it's human nature. We have to judge because we're humans. We have to judge what's dangerous and not dangerous. And we do have to process things and we do have to judge and we do have negative talk in our head. It's just how we ultimately navigate it. Awesome. So with all the success, what's next for you? What's next for Barbara? I love that question. And, um, you know, I am building out this, um, this, so I have a podcast called bearing it all. And it was really just the, um, what's that word it was it was manifested it was created because i wanted a space that was like authentic and transparent and of value like you know not just these interviews that you see on tv and everybody's all you know media trained but these conversations that peel back the layers you know that really um, peel back the curtain like if i interview celebrities and influencers and thought leaders like i want to peel back the, the curtain and like tell me how you handle adversity how you handle setbacks how do you you know this that and the other thing so the bearing it all podcast was bred out of that that concept so then the covid hit and my three kids are being homeschooled and i put it on a little back burner but now i've just through clubhouse i've kind of relaunched not only the podcast but i've launched a club and a community under that same umbrella called bearing it all and it's all about conversations that are authentic transparent and of value so like in clubhouse i'm host any room that's going to be hosted i'm bringing in experts if it's in a podcast space we're going to have experts about how to monetize podcasts how to you know feature the best guests or if i'm talking about how to get on television just really just bringing great value and also a whole self-development component under this bearing it all of like in order to really evolve and to 
improve our station in life, we have to be in a, a, a mindset of self-development, self-improvement, and self-awareness. So my next chapter is really building out this community of um, called Barry, Barbara Majeski's Bearing It All uh, and, and bringing like-minded individuals together so that you know, we can move forth and, and live our best life. I call myself the curator of the good life, living life with purpose, style, and adventure. And uh, just really kind of build, building that whole um, empire out, not just here in the United States, but um, globally. I think there's a lot of people that are just really hungry for some real conversations and real movement to uh, living our best life. So yeah, that's my next stage. Stand by. <laughs> Uh, awesome. If there's anything we can do to help you with that, be happy to be involved. Um, you know, we're working a lot of international projects like in Afghanistan right now and in Somalia and then, you know, educating people so they can learn how to lead in different yeah. ways and not just simply try to do the tribal ways that didn't work or try to use somebody else's uh, management styles that didn't work. Uh, so there's a lot of need out there for this type of work. Yeah, well, we're this. Listen, our paths are crossing now, and they'll continue to cross. And I think because your last name's Sun, and I bring Sun, <laughs> there's no way we can't keep working together. So, yeah, I mean, the journey, you know, the the journey is still ahead of me. There's going to be so many evolutions and incarnations. Um, and I just, I you know, listen, I made a vow that I was going to go bigger, bolder, and better than I had before and you use my voice to serve others. And that's what I'm committed to doing. And, um, you know, my birthday's coming up this month and it's funny, people always bitch about their age and I'm like, so excited. I'm like, oh my God, I keep, I get to be 48. I get to, I like, I get to, I get like, everyone's bitching about it. I'm like, age is a number, you know? Yeah. Not enough people that recognize the value of like, wow, what a gift I get to celebrate 48. Um, so I'm, I'm a lucky girl. I'm looking yeah, for a definitely. lucky guy, but you know, that's another, that's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the energy you carry, you're, you're at least in your twenties, you're not anywhere yeah. close to your forties or high forties. <laughs> I'm keeping it. I'm taking it into my nineties. Oh but yeah. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's been an amazing inspiration for myself sitting here, mm -hmm. just kind of watching you and all this energy that comes out. And I'm sure everybody will enjoy this podcast. And more importantly, I want to personally thank you for being real because yes. I've, I've seen all these people in, in clubhouse and, you know, since we're connecting, connected on clubhouse and their profiles are like really amazing looking, but when you actually talk to them or, or reach out to them, they're not real or they're not there and they don't respond or, or, or it's such an eggshell around it. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, no, I totally agree. I call it flex house sometimes. And that's, I think, what's going to be like why I'm pulling my club into like one great space. So if anybody is listening, I want to be part of that community. I haven't, you know, I'll be building out um, a Facebook and, you know, the, the club on Clubhouse and it's just in its beta phase. But I think it's going to be pretty huge. I plan to do some retreats and some really fun um, experiences, which will also include humanitarian work. So um, I think that the best is uh, yet to come. So, but thank you. I'm glad our paths have crossed. I'm, yeah, I'm glad I'm the real deal. <laughs> yeah. So as you're, as you're looking at using your voice to empower people around you and so forth, have you ever thought about how do you make it so that it become more, much more systemic? So when people listen to you, they get inspired, right? Afterwards, what can they do? What can they engage with 
so that they continue to do something, even if it's something small on a daily basis, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, get the, get the Barbara pill, for example, right? right. That <laughs> excites them, that gives them courage, that makes them love themselves, right? Yeah. What is that daily action that continues to engage them and not just say, well, I listened to Barbara, I was on this clubhouse channel that Barbara was running and I got inspired mm -hmm. and then you go back to the rest of your life normal. You know, I think that the best way to answer that is I truly believe that we rise by lifting others. That's not a Barbara Majeski quote that belongs to somebody else, but I really do um, believe in it. And I think so many times when people are like, I don't know what my purpose is and purpose lies in the smallest things that we do every single day. And it's acknowledging every interaction that we have with every person, you know, whether it's, a, you know, some, our Instacart person, our, um, nail technician, our Uber drivers, and it's acknowledging the humanity, the, the, the connection and being appreciative, you know, like that's purpose. It's being appreciative of that, that the small things in life, because if you can be appreciative and give value at that level, you're going to give value on a greater, greater level. And you never know what anybody's battling behind, behind the scenes. But if you carry yourself with true gratitude and appreciation for all those around you, you're going to find that the vibration in your life and the things that happen are going to continue to elevate. And it's going to lead you to greater purpose. It's going to lead you to a greater calling within your own lane that speaks to your own personal experience. And um, so that's what I would say. I, I would always lead or leave with that nugget if anybody was listening to me of like understanding you have great purpose in everything that you do and if you can make somebody else feel of value and that's all you do today you think that cashier at the grocery store or whatever trust me that's a that's a powerful energetic exchange and it all starts there so um it would probably be there and um you know i, I think that question could probably be flushed out deeper and um more expansively but that would always be just just Appreciate everybody that is in your life, no matter what. I don't care what they do. If they bring value, they pick up your trash. Thank you. Like yeah. really be gracious and appreciative and recognize they're all doing their best from their own station in life. Um, and I think we could all use that kind of like uh, appreciation, not only for our, you know, other people, but are for our own experience in this human, um, you know, as we navigate humanity. I couldn't agree more, Barbara. Let's all reach out in our own little interactions with each other and make it meaningful by saying thank you and recognize people with their talents. Once again, thank you so much for your time, Barbara, and the wisdom that you've shared with us. This is Dr. Ted Sun, joined by the courageous, the loving, the wise, purposeful, and the inspirational leader in Barbara Majeski. If you like this podcast, share it, spread the worth of what you've learned to make your world just a little bit better today. Thank you for listening.